the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. My dad was a blue-collar, blue-collar factory worker. One of the many jobs that he held. He had three jobs simultaneously to raise seven kids. But on the factory floor, this guy worked. He would come home with um, acid burns on his hands oh and his face gosh. often. But never, never once in my entire recollection of my father's working career did he come home and say, hey, I had cookies and cake at work today. Which, unfortunately, for better or worse... I say often when I go home because that's exactly what I had today, cookies and cake. I believe this is America's weight problem. I think it's the combination of cookies and cake that we had that's the problem. I mean, it was like a, it was like a unified thing. It was like a cookie cake thing. Coagulation. I mean, New Mike, am I making that up? Isn't that the best way to describe it? I don't think it's an issue. I don't think it's a problem at all. <laughs> no, I mean, no. it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Now, wait, here's the deal. So Kath came in today and she gave me pity cookies because pity get those things away from kathy bring them into john because he'll eat just about anything so she brought in these sort of um trader joe they're sandwich cookies high-end they're kind of high-end oreos well you know i don't you know pull out the garbage what's the deal so you only ate you ate less than half of the box and you brought the rest in for me because i just wanted to get them out of my house so Mm -hmm. that i didn't eat them all so great so thanks so as you watch me explode in front of you you feel good about yourself i was just trying to be nice Uh, great and then new mike comes in with a little cake treat for us which was delicious it was like a cookies and cream thing uh-huh. but it was cake and you don't have any idea mike how um insightful you were being because it's national oreo cookie day no it's not yes it are you serious yes. oreo cookie day. <laughs> oh my gosh here's the yes. deal <laughs> america was great when we snacked less i'll tell you that that's the problem since their introduction in 1912 the oreo has become the best-selling cookie in the United States. 1912. That's a surprise, isn't it? That is a surprise. I thought it was a surprise. In recent years, though, Oreo has been introducing several new flavors. My question for the both of you is, have you tried any of these new flavors, and yes. what do you think? I have. We try. We uh, eat regularly the vanilla Oreo. Oh, they're so There's good. a vanilla Oreo. That's the golden ones. Oh, they're beautiful. They are so oh. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very nice. They are so, they're like vanilla sandwich cookies. One of my kids doesn't like chocolate, so he was like, I don't want to eat that regular Oreo. Who wouldn't, first of all, who would not eat an Oreo? One of my kids. That's about the greatest cookie there is. The vanilla ones are great. Okay, do you, have you tried any of the special flavors, Mike? Yes, the mint Oreo. Mint Oreo. Oh my gosh. Good. Really? I mean, my, in my opinion, there's no reason to do anything but double stuff. Because mm-hmm. that's just the way it is, and that's the yeah. way it should be, right? That's yeah. just that's the high water mark. Once you double stuff, you're not you can't gonna, go back, right? Because no. it's so good. Right. However, mint is pretty close to that delicious. Oh yeah, mint's pretty good. Oh it's my really gosh. Good. Okay, so you brought me something from Trader Joe's today called JoJo's. Yeah, which are like Oreos, but they're the Trader Joe's variety. But those ones are the mint stuff. kind that are made with candy canes, crushed up candy canes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I went to work today and ate crushed up candy canes. Yeah, in addition to the Oreo cake that you had. <laughs> Heaven help us all. All right, are you ready? Heaven these help are us. the new Oreo flavors that are going to be introduced oh, this right? year. I'd like to get your read on Looking these, please. these pounds. Chocolate hazelnut Oreos. Mm-hmm. They will have chocolate hazelnut cream filling sandwiched between two golden cookies. Great. How do you feel about that? Fine. There's also a heart stint included in every package. <laughs> okay. Okay, just saying. Hot and spicy cinnamon Oreos. Oh, that sounds, what? That sounds, sounds interesting. I would no. eat that. Really? Hot See, and spicy Oreos? That Oreo? doesn't sound good to me. Bring it on. Okay, hot and spicy cinnamon flavor cream Ooh. between the tempting taste of two chocolate cookies. Nice, with See, an extra got, slim gym. You got me on cinnamon. Okay. Yeah. You think cinnamon? Really, you like that? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah, it's good. It's fine. Uh, pina colada Oreo thins. No, no, I don't think so. Pina colada. Yeah. Uh, pineapple and coconut flavored cream between two thin golden cookies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> See, now oh. I explained it. You like it, right? <laughs> Wait a second. Pineapple and coconut. Uh, Is that the pina colada? Yes. Oh, I'm going there. Yes. I'm going to be first in line at the store. The, now, those are part of the Oreo <laughs> creation winners. So that was like a contest. Oh, I see. And they won it. Mm-hmm. That's your job. Can you imagine that be your job? Oh, yeah. Designing Oreo cookies. That would be nice. Kettle corn Oreos. No, I don't think so. Ew. No. Uh, that's kettle corn flavored cream with millet pieces. <laughs> <laughs> millet Kettle pieces. corn is flavored just, cream. Is that just construction waste? <laughs> millet millet, millet what? Pieces. Millet pieces in between two golden cookies. What's a millet? I thought it was construction waste. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, okay. It might be a it grain. It is not. No. Millet, right. millet pieces. Cherry cola. All right. Yeah, I'll try that. Will you? Sure. See, that sounds gross to me. Nope. Cherry cola flavored cream with popping candy sandwiched between two chocolate cookies. Popping? Like what? Pop rocks? Maybe. Pop rocks in your Oreos. Peeps. Oh. Mm. Have you seen those in the store? Yes. I like a peep. D- but would you like that between an Oreo? Look, I mean, the, the bar just gets lower and lower. <laughs> At this point, I'm just going to open my mouth. Jesus just, loves his peeps. It's re- oh, come on, Mike. <laughs> okay, so marshmallow peeps flavor cream between two chocolate cookies. That's what it is. I try it. Chocolate peanut butter pie. Yeah, sure. <laughs> You're hard to please, I'll tell you. Okay, this variety features both peanut butter and chocolate flavored cream fillings. Mm-hmm. So it's both of those uh-huh. in between two graham flavored cookies. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I feel fine about it. <laughs> I feel fine. You, know, uh, you think I'm almost done, but no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm still going. What? Uh, pistachio. I like a pistachio. That's good, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, pistachio flavored cream between two thin chocolate cookies. That sounds pretty thin, good. Thin. They don't want the chunky Well, they have, you know, there's the Oreo thin. Mm-hmm. Those are like right. the really crispy ones. Like a Milano. The last one. Mm-hmm. Nabisco Firework Oreos. Ooh. They're for the summer of 2018. They have popping candy that is, quote, Oh, that's cool. Super good. Hmm. Okay, I try that. That's for the Fourth of July party at my house. I'm glad you brought up the Nabisco because remember the Nabisco factory on Penn Avenue, sure, which is now home of Google and many other tech startups. Right. Uh, so I used to live in that neighborhood, and depending upon which way the wind was blowing, you could decipher what Nabisco was making in the factory that day. Yeah, and whenever they left, I was so upset that they left because it, on the side of the building it said NBC Nabisco Baking Company, and I thought. I'll, this is this goes back to my uh, my anti boycotting stance. I'll never buy a Nabisco product again. And you know, literally, about fifteen minutes later, I was in the grocery <laughs> store. And I thought, I'm going to get some Oreos. And then I got home and I was eating them. And I was like, I'll tell you, oh, there's he's a man of principle. There's that resolve. 
Yeah, that's it. That's okay. all I have to so say. So happy uh, or- National Oreo Day, 1912 yeah. forward. Absolutely. Salute you. I'm glad yeah. we kind of celebrated it. Mm-hmm. We, well, I, I've Not got knowing. the uh, Trader Joe. Uh, you're welcome to another one. Plus, i got a cup of coffee. So I'm going to dunk a little bit here. <laughs> Good. And nice. there's, there's one little sliver of that Oreo cake left, too. So somebody. Somebody could have that. All right. Coming up on the rest of today's program, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about um, babies with Down syndrome are now at the center of the uh, U.S. abortion uh, war, I would put it that way. Worldwide. Yeah, you're right. Worldwide. Let's not just limit it to the country. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Sunday night's Academy Awards and what we learned about the hashtag MeToo movement, which might be almost nothing. And coming up next, moms have always worked. Just ask the Puritans. Stick around, won't you please? It is the uh, Tuesday edition, pre-slush and snow edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy. WORD. On the next Focus on the Family, we'll share a big secret. The relationships between mom and dad and your teenager are all part of God's plan to help you become more sensitive and caring, more like Christ. Learn more about building trust and limited freedom and following the Holy Spirit's lead on Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 830 on 101.5 WORD. Meet John and Jane. They're 55 years old and each have $100,000. John bought a series of one-year CDs, which earned less than 1800 bucks a year. But Jane had a different plan. She put her $100,000 to work with J.D. Melberg Financial's annuity strategies. And when she retires at 65, she'll get $8,972 a year in guaranteed income for the rest of her life. Be like Jane. If you're at least 50 years old, call to get your free quote now at 800-727-8585. You won't find these strategies anywhere else. Call 800-727-8585. That's 800-727-8585. You could get payout rates up to 13.3% of your premium amount backed by top-rated insurance company, Sentinel Security Life. Annuity guarantees are backed by Sentinel Security Life Insurance Company. Optional riders may be available with a charge. Not available in all states. Producers have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. John Van Pay, pastor and author of the new book, Marathon Faith. Surrendering your life to Jesus is the greatest decision you'll ever make. But that's just the starting line. Many of us begin our spiritual races of following Jesus with unrealistic expectations that hinder us from crossing the finish line. Every faith journey encounters obstacles. Just open the Bible. And my new book, Marathon Faith, Motivation from the Greatest Endurance Runners of the Bible, I write about how men and women of faith overcame obstacles and how you can do the same. Along with scriptural references, I include my own life experiences about endurance running. When things get tough, let God help you endure your race so you too can finish well. Order your copy of author John Van Pay's compelling new book, Marathon Faith, Motivation from the Greatest Endurance Runners of the Bible, at Amazon and at barnesandnoble.com. Word FM Discount Shopping Club members get up to half off great deals every day, right from your computer or smartphone. Now with free shipping. Like today, try three months of martial arts training for half the price. Sankusi Martial Arts offers this $180 value for just 90 bucks. Christian-owned Sankusi Martial Arts equips students mentally, physically, and spiritually as they develop discipline and self-control. Log on now to wordfm.com. Keyword shopping.
What do you know about the mommy wars? Uh Uh-oh. Okay, stop right Uh. there. Hannah Nation is with us. Hannah lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts with her husband, her young daughter. She serves the global church through her work with China Partnership. Hannah wrote a piece in Christianity Today called um, Moms Have Always Worked. Just Ask the Puritans, Five Things I've Learned from an Early American Version of the Household. Hannah, we uh, we welcome you to the show. How are you today? Good. How are you? Good. We're good. So listen, Hannah, you essentially, this is the, the uh, part of the trifecta because we've had your dad, your brother, and now you. <laughs> now, when your mother joins us on the show, then we'll, know. we'll punch the card. You win a free quart of ice cream. <laughs> well, and I, I have two, two more siblings, too. Oh. So. Oh. All six of you? Okay, there's room for all six. Yeah, okay. I mean, I just, I, that's a lot of airtime to devote to one family. Okay. I'll tell you that. It's like the Osmonds all of a Welcome. sudden. Welcome. It's the Snoke Hour here on Word <laughs> FM. <laughs> So Mommy Wars, uh, John, you asked me that. I groaned because it's just, it is endemic to having children in the social media era. It just is. Now, yeah. there were, I'm, I'm sure there were Mommy Wars before that. I don't, I, I didn't experience them, but. Um, the, what is it? it well, well, my way of of doing mommying is better than your way. Okay. Such, I mean, you can do that any number of ways. Like I make my own baby food. Uh, you I buy see. your baby food. That is so, it's right. horrible for your child. I nursed my baby. Mm. You actually dared to give your baby formula. Right. What a horrible choice. I, see. I had my babies without any drugs. Mm-hmm. You got an epidural. That's horrible. Then you, we can go on to homeschooling. We can go on to, you know, having a library card. We can go on to hanging out at the zoo so or having motherhood. pets. Right, exactly. Hannah, Hannah, am I exaggerating or making any of this up? Uh, no, you're you're right with all of that. <laughs> okay, so um, so we are now aware of mommy wars, uh, and so I think people are a little more sensitive. Some people are more sensitive to just kind of trying to say, uh, okay, so you do your thing, I do my thing. But it's this idea that we want to feel superior to somebody else and feel like motherhood is so challenging you want to help yourself to feel good about it and so the easiest way to do that is to make somebody else feel bad uh yeah i I guess i'd say i think a lot of it is based in just a general insecurity i think especially for young moms Hmm. um it's a really sensitive time of life and even when you have had a great role model like I've had in my mom it's just such a it's just such new territory that um it can just feel very frightening and so that's the time when people um often look for ways to defend themselves or defend the choices they're making and kind of justify themselves I think a lot of it is just the need to justify decisions that are made I see so Hannah you wrote this piece about Puritan moms and of course when anybody says Puritan you always think of these hardy hard-working uh, heavy stock of people so uh, five things that you've learned from early American versions of Puritan moms start off with your favorite what is it about the Puritan moms that you kind of go they would trump all mommy wars <laughs> uh, uh, picking a favorite is a hard one. Um, well, I I think just for me personally, um, when I started studying the Puritans, I think I really had a false idea in mind that um, really more or less said 
traditional cultures always had this idea that men worked and women don't work. And um, I think kind of in our broader cultural narrative right now, that's what gets associated with um, just older traditional cultures or more conservative positions on things. And I think when I started studying the Puritans, I realized um, that that dichotomy really didn't exist um, in the Puritan culture, that work was something that all people did. Mm -hmm. Um, It was something the community did, and it was just a much more holistic view of work um, that didn't cause this um, separation between those who work and those who don't work. And so that just really started to reshape how I thought about my own life even and how I thought about um, the question of whether I was going to work when I had uh, kids or not. I was studying these things, um, particularly while I was expecting my first child. And so it really had a pretty big impact on how I viewed my own life. That's cool. When when I was pregnant with my second baby, people used to ask my husband, you know, so is is Kathy going to work? And he's like, oh, yeah, she's going to work. <laughs> Just watch yeah, her. Because we'd already had our first baby and we kind of knew what this was all yeah. about. And so even the question uh, presupp- just proves that the person asking the question doesn't get the whole idea of parenthood. Or that a paycheck has to be involved in work. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think one thing that I've been trying to really think through is um, do we – in the evangelical Christian world have an idea of work that's large enough for both those who do have a paycheck and those who don't have a paycheck. And how can we develop a language that brings those two together and stop seeing this harsh divide Mm -hmm. between those two? And again, the reason that there's a sharp divide between the two is because the whole idea of parenting children is terrifying. And yeah. <laughs> it is, it is. That's, that's where all this comes from. And we try, the only way that we can kind of, I think, get a handle on it often is that we need to feel like the choices we're making are the best choices. Um, and you're right. It's just based out of insecurity and just the, it, the insurmountableness of the task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where living in God's grace should make a difference, <laughs> you know, that we, um, God created us to work and we work and he gives us grace in all forms of work. And so, um, we don't, ha- we don't have to justify ourselves. We don't have to come up with the right answer <laughs> for how to do everything. Okay, so let's talk about um, the good wives who were Puritans. Um, And we're just talking about this one sector because this is a group of people that you have studied. Not that these are the best wives, not that these are the only ones we should study. It's just that these are the ones that you've studied. So from these women, um, what truths have you gleaned? gleaned? Um, I have gleaned that um, work does not have to uh, be isolated from your kids um, that when we think creatively um, there probably are ways that um, work whether it's for economic gain or serving the church or um, blessing your neighbors in your community can involve your kids and um that often that's good. It's good to see your kids working for something and it's good for, 
your kids to understand that work is something both mom and dad do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also say I've learned that um, we don't have to parent in isolation. Um, That's good. So I think one of the things that really struck me was that the Puritan household was large. <laughs> there were a lot of people involved. It was a massive operation. And um, it was very rarely just a mom at home with her kids throughout the day. Um, neighbors, relatives, um, friends would be in and out of the household. Women often worked with each other on certain um, tasks and projects. Um, it was very common for a woman's younger sisters to come and live with her for periods of time, kind of to apprentice learning how to run a household. And um, that's really helped me think through, okay, um, it's, it's not bad if I ask someone to come help me mm-hmm. with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not bad if I have her with um, childcare for some period of time. Um, these are, we raise kids in community. I am her parent. I am the one who's responsible for her along with my husband, Mm -hmm. but, um, we're not isolated and we don't have to live in these siloed, um, siloed off kind of homes where we aren't actively interacting with each other's kids as well. Right. And you know, isn't that so important? I I had a a really hard time psychologically when I stayed home with my kids. I was home with them for a decade because I had worked mm-hmm. for a decade before that. And so I was used to, you know, the the regulate, you know, the regular the hours, the mix of working, you know, all those sorts of things. I was used especially to the feedback I would get at work, either good or bad. You're yeah. always getting feedback at work. All of a sudden, when you're home with kids, you have nothing. There is no feedback. There's, and it was just such a difficult, um, stark difference for me that I really struggled with that. And having other women who are going through the same thing, it really can take the edge off of that. So if you can get yourself out of isolation and into community, it can make a huge difference. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Hannah Nation is with us. She wrote a piece in Christianity Today called Moms Have Always Worked. Just ask the Puritans five things I've learned from an early American version of the household. Hannah, and and one of the things, kind of like as as a sort of a sidebar or a throwaway, you say this, and I did not know this. You said that Puritan wives, particularly older ones, played an important role in holding younger ministers responsible to their profession. And many stories of older women intervening in situations of illness, death, marital discord, sexual sin, and clergy hypocrisy. Their work, both seen and unseen, supported local churches and built up God's kingdom. I mean, that's that's incredible that there was such power there, such wisdom and such strength that older women would encourage and engage and equip local pastors. Yeah, I, I find that to be a really fascinating point, too. And I mean, I, I think with this whole topic, of course, we have to remember a historical difference. This was a very long time ago. The systems were really different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think my, when I think of the Puritans, I think of the more obvious things in such that, you know, women were generally, um, you could say powerless in the community. I don't think that's the right word to use, but they didn't have maybe public power, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, or recognized power, but they had a very um, important role within the community. 
And there are lots of examples of um, older women who basically used their age because that was, of course, um, much more recognized than it is, I think, in society today, um, to kind of reprimand (laughs) um, ministers when they maybe were doing something inappropriate Mm -hmm. or weren't following through on their commitments. Um, They were kind of a, you could say maybe like a soft power or a indirect power often within the community. I like it. Don't mess with these Puritan women because they'll bring it. Hannah, thanks enough a lot. I mean, it's a really interesting piece. Uh, Hannah Nation's been with us, a native Pittsburgher, now living in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thanks again, Hannah. Thank you. Pleasure's ours. The piece is called Moms Have Always Worked. Just ask the Puritans five things I've learned from an early American version of the household, Hannah Nation. Hey, stick around. we got a lot more ahead. We're going to talk in just a couple of minutes about Down Syndrome, the worldwide eradication of Down Syndrome babies, and a man whose sister was a Down Syndrome baby. His personal story, next. This is Ron Trzynski of the Original Mattress Factory. We are often contacted by people who are shopping for price via phone or online before actually going out to buy. We're happy to give out that information because we can save you hundreds of dollars over the national brands. But price alone means nothing. What are you getting for your money? How good are the quality and support of the mattress? At the Original Mattress Factory, we sell value. What is value? Value is the combination of price and quality. A manufacturer can make and sell a mattress for almost any price. After all, removing components and using cheaper materials does lower the cost, but it also compromises quality. So the price may be low, but the actual value will be even lower. When you shop at our store, we show you the value, the quality that you can see and touch. Buying on price alone is self-defeating. Cheap is cheap. Value is what counts, and our mattresses are the best value. Check them out at an original mattress store near you and experience more than just a mattress store. Experience an original. Imagine not eating for days and not knowing when or if you'll ever eat again. That's the grim reality for poor families in Haiti. Odette doesn't know when she'll be able to feed her family again. She and her husband, Jerome, care for their two grandchildren after the death of their daughter. But because of their age and poor health, it's hard to find work. Odette knows that her grandchildren aren't getting enough to eat, but she has no way to find or buy food. Poor families like Odette's suffer with no hope. They have no idea how they will survive. But you can help. Today, you can provide food every day for the next year and a lifetime supply of clean, safe water through Food for the Poor. For just $50, you can ensure that Odette's grandchildren get the food and safe water they need to survive. Would you allow God to use you to save the lives of suffering children in Haiti and Guatemala? Make your life-saving gift now by calling 855-828-HOPE, 855-828-4673. 855-828-4673. You can also give by clicking the Give Life banner at wordfm.com. 855-828-4673. Got issues with youth or high school sports? Positive Coaching Alliance can help. PCA, a national nonprofit, offers more than a 1,000 free online resources for youth and high school sports coaches, parents, students, and administrators. Visit PCADevZone.org. Less than two weeks after an all-time high, the stock market experienced its largest single-day drop in history. How does that affect you? Does that have you worried and feeling nervous? Tune into this week's Your Retirement Blueprint with Kirk Kenotic and Ethan Lane, Saturday morning at 10, to find out what market volatility could mean for your retirement. In volatile times, Your Retirement Blueprint can help keep your retirement plan on track. Join us Saturday morning at 10 on 101.5 Word FM. 
Mostly cloudy tonight with some snow later tonight into tomorrow morning, leaving behind a slippery coating to an inch or so. Low tonight, 33. The rest of tomorrow, cloudy with some rain and snow showers, high 42. Cloudy with a snow shower round tomorrow night, 24. Brisk and colder Thursday with a couple of snow showers, high 34 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Hey, welcome back. So a lot of people apparently did not watch Sunday's telecast of the Academy Awards. All-time low ratings. Yeah. And I was one of those for the first time in almost 30 plus years. I mean, I didn't really care about the Academy Awards until I met you. This is what you do. You drag me into things. (laughs) And then I make them a part of daily life or yearly life or whatever it is. And then you go off and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I think, well, what? I didn't even like I didn't even care about this before you. Yeah. Well, this year I'm disavowing the Pirates and the Academy Awards. Yeah. You're going to show up at opening day. I am not. I think I'm not. I've done this. I've told you the story. All right. I have the fact that you didn't watch the Academy Awards makes me think that you might be serious about it. Okay, so there was this weird part. Of the, there were several weird parts of the telecast, but the one um, that kind of jumped out at me um, was a, um, you could tell it was going to be a serious moment. Three women were standing to the left of the stage, Ashley Judd, Annabella Scoria, Skiora, I don't even know who that is. I don't either. And Salma Hayek. Okay. Okay, they're, they're there together. No, I'll just add another thing. I also uh, saw a clip where Mia Sorvino right. spoke. That, that was a, a pre-roll. Oh, that was. they did that followed these three women okay, talking. So, no, I did not know this story, and she told a very compelling story because Mia Sorvino, her father, you know that like there are some families who are you know close to Hollywood right. royalty. I wouldn't say the Sorvinos are, but Paul Sorvino was a oh, major yeah. character actor for many many years. Law and Order. I think he won. I think he won an Oscar, and I think uh, Mia Sorvino won an Oscar as well. Yeah, I think she did too. So yeah. she had a particular story to tell, which I think was interesting because of the father. Anyway. Right. No, but, that, but that's a good point because they're, th- these people know each other. Like this is a community. It's a little town. This is, right. This is a community of people. Right. And so that, I think that's one thing we need to keep in mind. So these three, these three women go up there. The woman in the middle, Annabella Sciorra, who I've never heard of and never seen before. She says, it's nice to see you all again. It's been a while. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I don't know what that means. I'm not watching. I don't even know. Well, apparently that was her subtle way of alluding to the fact that she was blacklisted and she contends that Harvey Weinstein had enough influence in the Hollywood industry to prevent her from working at all Mm. for several years. I don't don't disbelieve that. I don't disbelieve that at all either. But here's my question. Why doesn't she just say that? So there's – so then they go on and they talk about – um, the hashtag MeToo movement, they mm. say this. The changes we are witnessing are being driven by the powerful sound of new voices, different voices of our voices, who are joining together in a mighty chorus that is finally saying time's up. We work together to make sure that the next 90 years empower these limitless possibilities of equality, diversity, inclusion, intersectionality. That's what this year has promised us. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. No. It would have been better served if they would have had one, two, three of these several women get up on stage and say this. We collectively here, the three of us, and many in this auditorium, and throughout the many decades that Hollywood has been Hollywood, we, the women of this town, have been subjected to 
the casting couch where we have been unfairly targeted and used mm-hmm. for our sexuality. Mm-hmm. We have had to pay a price to enter onto the silver screen. Right. Unlike men have not had to do that. So we're here to tell the story of our manipulation in instances of rape or fondling right. or inappropriate behavior. This is the story that needs to be told. Right. And they should have followed it up by saying, and we're sharing this on television, but we're speaking into this room yes. because this room is our problem. We are our problem. Because what happens when these stars go on these award shows and speak on television is they act like and they speak to the camera like it's our fault. Like this is a, Who's this is our a fault? like the American culture. Now, American culture is part of it. But Hollywood's problem, and this is what they have to say out loud, Hollywood's problem is Hollywood. Hollywood's problem is that Hollywood has created and then amplified the problem. For the rest of our culture. Exactly. Because what goes on in Hollywood doesn't, like they say, stay in Hollywood. Right. It goes on the screen and then finds its way into movie theaters and living rooms across the world. So the representation or misrepresentation of women Right. Being subjected to all manner of abuse, sexual and or otherwise, the violence perpetrated on women in many ways has systemic roots in in Hollywood. Hollywood. You're right. (laughs) We go. Mike really appreciated what you said there. So. They should just say it. They should just say it. They well, should say it. No, they should not. They should not use all of these words like intersectionality and limitless possibilities and a mighty and a mighty chorus and none of that. That's that's ridiculous. It. Yeah, it I, mean, I agree. But it's and, almost and, and they should be looking at their own community when anything happens, whether it's our church, it's our school, it's our corporation or whatever it is. There has to be some inward focus. Right. There has to be, OK, what have we done? How have we gone wrong here? That's just part of normal human interaction, confession, repentance and looking for a way forward. No doubt. Now, here's but the they deal. don't do that. Well, so the problem is that they have essentially taken one name the name of Harvey Weinstein, as the boogeyman. And so all the ills that has perpetrated Hollywood for the past 60, 70, 80 years is the root of Harvey Weinstein. Right, so he can be the scapegoat. They can pile all of their sins on him and they can chase him out of the community. Well, look, you know how this is. As soon as someone, as soon as Thomas Edison invented the movie camera, right, there are those who looked at that camera as a, a wielding of power. If I could place you in front of this camera, I'd be happy mm-hmm. to do that. But there has to be an exchange. What are you going to give to me so that I can make you a star? And, of course, that's happened. Look, when you look back at the Hollywood greats, I mean, you know, Betty Davis, Barbara Stanwyck, uh, you know, even back into the early talkies, Clara Bow, mm-hmm. all those women. Believe me, there are thousands and thousands, probably hundreds, if not a million stories of w- women being subjugated by powerful men right. in the positions of creativity, whether they're studio heads or directors or cinematographers or you or name whether it. they're nameless people or they're Judy Garland exactly. or Marilyn Monroe. There are many, Same many story. more nameless than there are stars. No doubt about that, because only that, you know, very seldom few or become the stars. But there are many women who go to Hollywood with that dream of clicking their heels together mm-hmm. and then just run through the meat grinder. Don't you think, though, that the only way forward is for them to talk to to th- as their community they need to accept responsibility yes. for this culture that they've created it does but what what that would require is 
a cadre of voices, a, a, the Greek chorus of men mm-hmm. led by one That's strong right. and powerful man who is revered in Hollywood, be that Tom Hanks or mm-hmm. George Clooney to say, okay, I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to tell the truth. And I'm going to tell the truth right. from my perspective of what I've experienced, what I have done, and what I've st- the stories that I have heard. Right. Because believe me, anytime any guys get together, they're telling a story. And in Hollywood, the stories have to be multitudinous. So everybody knows the stories because, like as you said as we came in, it's a little town. Mm-hmm. So you need that one singular voice to stand up so, and say, so the, it stops here. So the women standing up there are making an important point. Sure But that's are. only a portion of the point that needs to be made because the other half has to be the men who are saying, and this is a topic, if you were at Jubilee Professional a couple weeks ago, that Lisa Slayton and Jay Slocum did such a great job covering, which is that there have to be men in the room who say, I'm not going to honor the guys that do this. Right. Right. So that has to be a George Clooney, like you said, or a Tom Hanks or whoever it is who has enough Hollywood clout to stand or Steven Spielberg or whoever it is to stand up and say, I'm a guy and I'm sure I have been complicit in this in one way, shape or form. But I at least want to come up and say, I'm willing to be part of the solution. Yeah. That's I'm willing I mean. to try to find a way forward, to work with women, to value women. So you don't have to have Frances McDormand, who has to stand up, make a huge <clears throat> speech and say, you know, look at all these women in the room. We all have a lot to offer. Everybody knows they have a lot to offer. So that was, to me, the, sort of the, the disappointment on Sunday night at the Academy Awards. If you're going to you know, rally and, and point the finger and be angry, well, then do so. That's fine. But have someone stand up there, a guy, the yes. guy, yep. and say, mea culpa, mea yep. culpa, I will now tell right. the truth. And from this time forward, if you want equity, if you want parity, if you want none of this, you know, degradation of women right. on women, then we're going to stop and I'm going to be, I'm okay. going to be the, the flag bearer. Here. Okay. But let me say this and tell me, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I feel like Hollywood has become so uh, anti Uh, Christian outlook, that they have lost their facility with the actual language and action that promotes flourishing. I'd say that's an excellent point. I agree with that wholeheartedly. They don't understand the story anymore. So they don't understand what it looks like to confess something, to be forgiven for it. And to have grace. To have grace and then to move forward, to be restored. So if you don't even get that that's a concept that is available in the universe to you, then you might not be able to preach to your community that this is a concept that is available for us, is that we can repent, we can change, and we can, with grace, move forward. I'd buy that. Although there, I'm sure there are many would say, well, you know, that may be cheap grace, because once you confess, once you repent, and then once you ask for that grace— well, then you cannot go back to your vaunted position of being, you know, the Harvey Weinstein or whomever, no. the Kevin Spacey. Well, that's because there's, right? there's justice. The, the price has to be paid. Right. The price has to be paid. I'm not saying that we need to put Harvey Weinstein back in his position. I'm saying that there as a community are many people who have contributed to this culture without being Harvey Weinstein. Right. But instead, what we get is censure. Right. We have censured Kevin Spacey and Bill Cosby and all. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so. You've lost your seat at the table. But then what's next? What's going to what's going to spring forth from here? Where are the changes? So there's no deconstruction without reconstruction in healthy organizations and people. Right. Right. There's no you can't tear something down if you're not going to build something in its place. So then the theological and um, 
philosophical constructs of what it is to be uh, an engaged Christian in this world, all that has gone by the wayside. Because Mm -hmm. what's happened instead is the cartoon of, you know, Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson, they're big to jump on that in Hollywood, right? They're they're willing to inflate that Michelin balloon and go, look, here's a Thanksgiving, you know, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Here's the Christian cartoons. But they miss the underpinnings of the beauty and the power Mm -hmm. of what it is to be a believer. Right. So instead of preaching or living the story that we know of confession and repentance and restoration, instead they're living the story of women women who are getting up and preaching about things that other women understand and men sitting there who are afraid to admit that they are culpable and are afraid to say what they really think. So I wonder, in all of Hollywood, I mean, and, you know, old Hollywood had this. There were many people who were people of faith, people of good Christian faith. There have to be those people. There has to be any number of people who get this and understand this and would speak that truth to power. We'll take a break and come back. Stick around with us. Uh, we're musing here on Hollywood. And we're eating Oreos because it's National Oreo Cookie Day. If you're a mom or dad of a child who struggles, you've searched high and low trying everything you can. From tutors to counselors, specialists to pills, you've tried them all with little success. You need to know there is a program that has helped tens of thousands of kids just like yours. Brain Balance Achievement Centers can make a real difference for your child. Brain Balance is a drug-free solution that deals with the root cause of issues like ADHD, dyslexia, audio processing, and behavioral challenges. Our combination of sensory motor exercises, academic skill building, and a clean eating plan doesn't just mask the issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child has trouble making friends, is disruptive in school, or is frustrated to the point of tantrums, now is the time to call Brain Balance Achievement Centers. Learn more at brainbalance.com or call 724-390-9012 today. Hi, this is John Hall. You know what's so amazing about my pillow? How fast I fall asleep. I don't know about you, but when my head hits my pillow, I'm out in seconds. Seriously, if you were to put me under oath in a court of law, I can honestly testify that my pillow is the best pillow I've ever had. Period. And that great night's sleep can be yours anywhere you go because inventor Mike Lindell is continuing his terrific offer this month for Word FM listeners. His four-pack special includes two full-size my pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Great to toss in the car or in your overnight bag. Plus, where else are you going to find a pillow that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty? Ten years. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Use the promo code WORD to get the four-pack special. Or enter promo code WORD at MyPillow.com to get the four-pack special today. That's 1-800-961-9207. Or visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WORD. Showcase your business, meet local customers, and make new connections at the 2018 Pittsburgh North Regional Home Show and Business Expo. Friday, March 16th from 4 to 8 p.m. and Saturday, March 17th from 11 to 4 at the Block Northway, formerly Northway Mall. Free and open to the public, this annual event brings hundreds of local customers and over 70 area businesses together. A Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber of Commerce event. Details at pghnorthchamber.com. 
Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grind with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit ExtremeTruck.net. 412-257-1006, ExtremeTruck.net. Okay, so off uh, mic discussions, and we're talking about the hashtag Me Too. Yeah, so okay, Mike. So what, what did you what did you want to ask? Are Christians blacklisted as being an actor or an actress? I mean, because it it's it's a business. So you you have your sponsorships. If you're a Christian and you're and you're an actor and you're trying to make it, you're making a name for yourself. No, I don't. I, I don't believe the Christians are blacklisted in Hollywood. I don't. I think you reach a certain if you reach a certain level of power, then that power supersedes your faith because they want and need your product. So you know, I mean, look at the story of you know, this is not a great example, but look at Mel Gibson. I mean, Mel Gibson. It's an unfortunate could, story. You could look at you know what, how he blew himself up and look at his particular faith. Uh, that unto itself is a little weird because um, he's disparaging Jews in a drunken rage. But he, you know, many people in Hollywood well, say, "You think that's weird?" <laughs> I mean, you know, what I'm saying, yeah, I think it's pretty weird. It's, it's weird. That's, something seems wrong with that. But, but, but many people in Hollywood go, "Well, look, Mel Gibson's a Christian, right?" So, right. <laughs> like in all things, you hurt the cause. Yeah, I, I mean, there can't be that. There can't be that many Christians in the community only because of the product that we see. And I don't just mean the pro- as far as sex and violence. I don't mean that. I mean just as far as a full-throated understanding of what the gospel is. I mean, I saw a film last night that I can't I can't talk about yet because it's been embargoed for a couple of days, but um it's a major release film that oh. has at as its focus a Christian theme which when the film was produced was completely removed. Yeah. And and I think it was removed not because people were like, oh, there's a Christian theme here. We should remove it. It's just that they're not conversant. Hollywood is not conversant with Christian themes. Well, look, look at Unbroken. And so they don't recognize them. Look at the film Unbroken. Which there you we go. Perfect example. We per- love the book. We talked with Louis Zamperini, the subject of the book. When the film came to Hollywood, his conversion experience at a Billy Graham crusade in Los which Angeles. Which is the whole last third of the book. It's the major crux of the book. Everything turns on that. That was comp- that was totally eradicated from the story. Shrug your shoulders. Who cares? Some guys on a raft. He got rescued. That's basically the story. So I don't know. I mean, I really don't think it's a conspiracy as much as it is a club. Maybe it's just general fear and cluelessness. I think it's cluelessness more than it is fear. Even I really do. I just feel like perhaps we as Christians who who have removed ourselves largely from culture, have done a bad job in that regard. And instead of removing ourselves from culture, we should have stayed in it and showed forth these these world-changing ideas well, see, that we're supposed to live by. I don't think there was a conscious removal of ourselves from the I, culture. I don't believe that. Okay. No, I think people, you know, look. I, I do think. You know, many Christians are still in the arts. 
There right? are many Christians in the arts, but I think that there has for sure been a removal of Christianity from the arts. I think it's coming back over the last 15 years, but I think in the 50 years before, there was an absolute removal of that. I think it's become 40, a, maybe. a secular removal of the of Christians in the workplace. But as far as Christians working in the workplace, no. I think there's people of, of great, strong Christian belief who work day to day in the in, in Hollywood or wherever. Well, I believe that there are those people, though we don't hear from them very often. But I I would kind of challenge you to think about what Christian families were watching. I don't know if you can even you, – you weren't even a Christian then, maybe 30 years ago. I think that Christians in large part, when the whole moral majority thing floated across America, that it became an issue of withdrawal as opposed to an issue of – Really? I, yeah. so I don't see that. You don't see that? Okay. No. I mean, I think, you know, when you get around the television set now, like we all did this when our kids were younger, right? My hand was always, my thumb was always on the remote, ready to, I was super vigilant about right. what my kids were going to ingest. Right. Um, and, you, and you don't see that there have been Christians that have withdrawn from culture, whether it be art or popular music or any of those things? Come on. I mean, look at Chris Pratt. He tweeted about praying for all the victims. Yeah, so Chris right. Pratt's a believer, and, he, and he's a major star. Right, he got heat, heat for it. He got heat for it. Do you think and he cares? No. No, because right he's now Chris he's in Pratt. a position of power. Yeah, maybe he's in a position of power, and he had to he stand is. up and do something. Yeah. I think that it's coming around. I do. I said that. In the last 15 years, I think it's coming around. But I think all of my years of growing up, the whole message of the evangelical church was withdrawal. From, withdrawal from popular from music. That's, how, that's where CCM came from. Right. That's that's where right wing radio came from, is that we're going to withdraw. We're going to do our own thing because we can't either. We it's not that we can't compete. It's that we've decided that we don't we don't want to have anything to do with them. And so we're going to go off and do our own thing. Hmm. Uh, I think many Christians straddle the world between the two. Right? Well, we're supposed to be straddling the world between the two. That's what we're here for. Yeah. We're in the world and not of it. It's just hard to find the balance for each know. person. I mean, look, people are listening right now to the show. They're tuning in. Certainly we're a mix, are we not? Right? We Three are, of us? We're yeah, sure a mix. We're Christian to the core, but the subjects that we talk about daily, it, it runs the gamut. But yeah, but here's my question. I'm saying in the last 15 years, this is where I think we're in a better place. I'm saying for the 30 or 40 years prior, prior to, to that, that, that's where we got into trouble. That's where we got into trouble. Okay, I can we see that. I can see the we 60s. Were, we were looking at popular music, and we were hearing Satan when we played Led Zeppelin records backwards. Yeah. You know, we were, you know, we were terrified that you know the end of the world was going to come, and so we were going to, you know, play um, the last great Hal Lindsey movies at youth group and terrify everybody because the rapture was on its way, and you know, it was going to be. Come on, this is what we did. I lived this. Okay, all right. So you're saying we withdrew? We withdrew. I think we're I think we're partially as Christians living in the culture we created. All right. What do you think? Uh, that's worthy of a Facebook nudge. Yeah. Right? Okay. I'll put something up on Facebook. Okay. Way in. Have we withdrawn? Have we withdrawn? And are we on the way back? Cite the examples, would you please? Stick around. You work hard to recruit the best talent for your business, so you know today's candidates want perks they can enjoy every day. Give them the healthy, active office culture they're looking for with Veridesk Standing Desk Solutions. The new Veridesk ProDesk 60 Electric is a commercial-grade electric standing desk 
that lets you sit or stand with the touch of a button, and it assembles in under five minutes. To learn more about the ProDesk 60 Electric, visit veridesk.com slash radio. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com slash radio. Express Employment Professionals Pittsburgh West presents the world-renowned Express Clydesdales. Witness the majesty of these gentle giants up close and free of charge. Thursday, March 15th from 11 to 2 at the Children's Home of Pittsburgh on Penn Avenue. And Friday, March 16th from 4 to 7 at Donaldson Park, North Fayette Township, where all welcome donations will go to support our local military. Details on these free events, including carriage rides and kids' activities, at expresspros.com slash Pittsburgh West. Dentistry isn't what it used to be. It's really come a long way. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock. The pain management techniques, the comfort that we can offer now, really make it a much more pleasant experience. We have a great team. They really help to put a patient at ease. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. For over 35 years, First Baptist Christian School of Butler has quietly offered parents one of the most affordable, high-quality Christian educations around. A complete education from pre-K through 12th grade with free busing, smaller classes, an extremely high teacher-student ratio, competitive athletics, and SAT scores well above the national average. Think an affordable Christian education is beyond your reach? Think again. First Baptist Christian School of Butler at butlerfbcs.com. Oh, wait. uh, The film, I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, premiere is uh, March 16th. So I saw it. Go see this film. Mm. It premiered. Wait, we're doing a Word FM uh, sort of sneak preview, aren't we? On the 13th. Next yes, week. we are. Yeah. And then it premieres next Friday. Not this Friday, but next Friday. Okay, so there's a, there's a case in point where Christians creating their own art. Right. Christian music becomes a Christian film. Right. Now, in many ways, I, I, I'm not hey, get Hey, it's that. a story that deserves to be told. Without a doubt. There's no question about it. Yeah. And it's well done. Exactly. As as it's not- I mean, it's a story that was, that is a song that is loved by tens of millions of Americans. Yeah. And has been for two decades. Yeah. So I got no problem with this. Oh, absolutely But not. it is very specifically, you know, if you're not, right. a, if you're not a believer and you go see this film, you're going to go, right. what the but, heck is but going on? But I don't on? think that that's, I'm not saying that that can never happen. I'm saying that's fine. But if that's the only thing we do, that's the problem. If we're only doing Christian, Christian, work. Christian art for Christians, we're no, missing no, out. Of course we are. That's but fine. if we do some Christian art for Christians, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, that that's it. But that can't be the limit of what we're doing. Yeah. So I think I can only imagine it's a perfect example of someone that saw a story that they wanted to tell. Yeah. And so they're telling it. So Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, uh, Cloris Leachman. So it's essentially the story of Bart Millard, who is the lead singer-songwriter from Mercy Me. And that song, which Bart Millard famously said, well, it took me like nine minutes to write that song. Well, that may be true, but he had to live the life yeah. to get those, to those nine minutes to distill that. Because the story is Bart Millard's dad was, and this is you know nothing out of school here, Bart Millard's dad, uh, most of Bart Millard's life, and this is in his own words, was a monster. I mean, he was a complete and total abusive jerk. And Bart Millard famously said years ago, if, if Christ can change that dude... He can change anybody. So this is the story of the song, I Can Only Imagine, which features Dennis Quaid as Bart Millard's dad, Cloris Leachman as Bart Millard's uh, grandma. And there's a great story about the fact that 
uh, Bart Millard's grandma named the band. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, can you tell that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he said something about how he wanted to, Bart Millard was talking to his grandma, and she said, what are you going to do with your life? And he said, well, I'm thinking I might you know, start a band and be a musician. And she said, well, mercy me. I hope you know what you're doing. Yeah. And so then she'd call during the day when he wasn't at work because, you know, he's, he's a youth pastor. And she'd say, what are you doing home? He said, well, I'm a youth pastor. She'd go, well, mercy me. When are you going to get a real job? So, Cloris Leachman. <laughs> That's not good. Dennis Quaid. That's so good. Uh, I Can Only Imagine premieres next Friday. Theaters nationwide. Hey, we'll take a quick break. Come back. Our 5 o'clock hour. We're going to talk about Down Syndrome. Don't miss that. And uh, then Amy Simpson's going to join us about uh, troubled minds and blessed are the unsatisfied. Stick around. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump is standing firm on his plan to place tariffs on steel and aluminum imports. At a White House news conference, the president declared that trade wars aren't so bad. When we're down by 30 billion, 40 billion, 60 billion, 100 billion, the trade war hurts them, doesn't hurt us. The president said the U.S. has been taken advantage of by trade deals for too many years and that he's taking action to save American jobs and shrink the massive trade deficit. Greg Clugston, the White House. But House Speaker Paul Ryan warned the administration that any proposed tariffs need to be specific so they don't result in retaliation against U.S. products. What we're encouraging the administration to do is to focus on what is clearly a legitimate problem and to be more surgical in its approach so that we can go after the true abusers without creating any kind of unintended consequences or collateral damage. On Wall Street, the Dow by nine points, the Nasdaq rose 41. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for 100 years. The 16th annual presentation of the inspiring musical passion play, He's Alive, will be presented at the Capitol Theater Wheeling, March 23, 24, and 25, Palm Sunday weekend. Free admission, no reservations. He's Alive, Friday and Saturday night performances, 7.30, and Palm Sunday matinee, 3.30. He's Alive. 304-233-4470 for more information. Imagine not eating for days and not knowing when or if you'll ever eat again. That's the grim reality for poor families in Haiti. Odette doesn't know when she'll be able to feed her family again. She and her husband, Jerome, care for their two grandchildren after the death of their daughter. But because of their age and poor health, it's hard to find work. Odette knows that her grandchildren aren't getting enough to eat, but she has no way to find or buy food. Poor families like Odette's suffer with no hope. They have no idea how they will survive. But you can help. Today, you can provide food every day for the next year and a lifetime supply of clean, safe water through Food for the Poor. For just $50, you can ensure that Odette's grandchildren get the food and safe water they need to survive. Would you allow God to use you to save the lives of suffering children in Haiti and Guatemala? Make your life-saving gift now by calling 855-828-HOPE, 855-828-4673. 855-828-4673. You can also give by clicking the Give Life banner at wordfm.com. 855-828-4673. It's that time of the year at the Springhouse in 84. It's Dairy Farm Tour time. That's right. We actually invite classes of school children to our real working dairy farm. 
The children love feeding the calf, milking the cow, and even seeing where the cows sleep and smelling what they eat. Many children today have never even touched a baby calf, nor have they associated the wonderful cow as the source of the milk that they get from the grocery store. At the Springhouse in 84, we are so committed to teaching children about farming and helping them understand how much the city mouse and the country mouse truly need each other. Call 228-3339 or have your child's teacher set up a date for your child's classroom farm tour and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Springhouse in 84. Most mattress ads are dominated by offers of long-term, interest-free financing often for five years or more. Just how expensive is that mattress if it takes you five years to pay for it? Retailers build the financing costs into the already inflated price of the product. This is Robin Trzinski. At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't offer long-term financing and don't inflate prices. Why? We believe in transparency and honest pricing. Get a great bed that you can actually afford. OriginalMattress.com Mostly cloudy tonight with some snow later tonight into tomorrow morning, leaving behind a slippery coating to an inch or so. Low tonight, 33. The rest of tomorrow, cloudy with some rain and snow showers, high 42. Cloudy with a snow shower around tomorrow night, 24. Brisk and colder Thursday with a couple of snow showers, high 34 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. This day in history, March 6th, 19... I'll leave you to guess. Walter Cronkite, the most trusted man in America, retired from the CBS Evening News and was replaced by Dan Rather. Really? John Hall, I ask you... Can you guess what year Walter Cronkite retired? And that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, August 9th. I would say Walter Cronkite retired in 1984. He's very good at this game, isn't he, New Mike? I mean, we try to. How far away am I? You're three years off. Oh, that's not too close. That's pretty close. No, not really. Okay. Three years. 87? One. 81. See, yeah, I should have been closer to that. 1981. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the year. Fail, epic fail. <laughs> Look, if you grew up, you know, in the, like us, I mean, me, like in the in the 60s, in the 70s, Walter Cronkite. That, that's something that will not be replicated in any genre. Oh no, because nobody trusts anybody. No, the most trusted man in America, right, so and he was. Over. I mean, I, 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 you love the guy, and, and and I was thinking about this the other day. Um, so I grew up in the middle of the space race. So, I, you know, I remember watching, you know, Mercury and Gemini and Apollo. As a kid, I was obsessed. I was 12 years old when Man on Moon. Mm. And so Walter Cronkite was always the front man for Man on Moon, right? All the, all, every moonshot, every Gemini, every Mercury, Walter Cronkite would count you down and, and with Wally Sherrar and all the different guys, guide you through the process. So that alone made him so trustworthy because there he was on the cutting edge of technology as we reached for the stars. I loved Walter Cronkite. 1981. wonder how old he was when he died. Because, uh, you know, he, they would go back to Walter Cronkite the occasionally. That. That's okay. But, yeah, Walter Cronkite. Uh, the, who, first of all, who watches the nightly news? 
I have no not one. watched the nightly news since. Could it be since nine eleven? Really, I used to watch it religiously. I mean, every night. Oh, well, my family always did when Dan I was growing Rather? up. I, Dan Rather. It was Brian Williams. It yep. was Tom Brokaw. How about, how about Huntley Brit and Brinkley? Hume? Remember when Brit Hume was the Washington correspondent? Oh, sure, yeah. For, I think it was CBS. Yeah. I mean, how many guys? Great guy. Mm-hmm. Remember remember Barbara Walters used to right. do the nightly news? Right. Walter right. Cronkite passed away July 17th, 2009. How old was he? Hmm. 2009. Hmm. Hmm. He was old, I'll tell you that. Was he? <laughs> yes, he was. Was he? Okay. He was no spring chicken. Okay. That's all I got. All right. Speaking of old. Um, <laughs> Quit looking at me. Matilda Curcia. <laughs> yeah. She lives in San Diego. She just turned 100. Yeah. Okay. Reading an article today uh, from the NBC affiliate in San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, they asked her, what is the secret to her long life? Yeah. Let me answer that for her. The secret is living in San Diego. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. That's a really, that's, that's not secret. mentioned anywhere in this no, no. article. Believe me, okay? No, living in San Diego. No, I maybe like the that. secret. That's a good point. Cronkite was 92. Okay, well. Oh, Cronkite. Wow, okay. And that's the way it is. Uh, okay. That's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> 100 years old, Matilda Curcia tells NBC San Diego mm. the secret to her long life mm. is that every night she has one beer and three potato chips. Just three? Mm-hmm. No lays. But you can't eat just one. Okay, apparently she later admitted with a grin she might eat a little more than three. (laughs) But she says, um, I've experienced good health. I have no pain and do my exercises every day. And I have my beer and eat my potato chips. That's about all. Okay. Now, this could could, uh, feed into your theory about San Diego because Mm. Matilda and her neighbor, Mickey, both turned 100 years old this week within days of each other. This week? Mm Mm-hmm. I love this. On Saturday, they had a birthday bash in the Allied Gardens neighborhood with their families. Mm-hmm. Blue, gold, and hot pink balloons mm. in the shape of 100. I love it. What do you think about that? I, have you been to San Diego? Oh. Is that, here's the problem. It is the most glorious weather. It is. Of any place I've ever been to. But, you know, as a melancholy, as a self-described melancholy, I would get sick of it. Because I would, I would long for well, that's gray your, days. That's your psychological dysfunction. Maybe so, but don't you, don't you enjoy a nice gray day? <laughs> no, I do. Give me some gray. Absolutely not. Look outside right now. I don't like that. I do. I like it Why very much. Why do you like that? It makes me feel gray, and I like to feel that way. Oh, good. Golly. It's the truth. <laughs> that's how it is. Oh, my and that's the way it is. Gray God. skies. Are... Okay, so some of are going to say to you, yeah. John Hall. What's the secret to your long life? At this point, what would you say? Um, the grace of God. Okay. Great. That, that's all I got. That's good. Look at me. I'm not working out. I'm not, I'm not eating well. I'm just, you know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. So it's the grace of God. It's not me having a beer and three potato chips, I'll tell you that. You need Christian counseling. <laughs> What's wrong? What are you talking secu- about? Or secular counseling. What are you saying? I don't think what at this you, point it even matters. What am I saying I need counseling for? What's the problem? What's the problem right. here, Mike? Okay. Now, what about, I, I need to ask you about your chips, though. Oh, my chips. Yeah. So so are you eating daily chips like Matilda? I would I... <laughs> There's been no preparation for this. This was not discussed at the pre-show meeting. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I went and saw Crowder on um, Sunday night. I yeah. saw David Crowder and uh, went back uh, backstage and saw him. They were offering chips. I was more excited to have the chips than I was to see Crowder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, David, we hope you're not and listening. I love Crowder. And I no, love... he'd like that. He'd but, be glad. He'd want you to be honest. Here, uh, let me go back. When I was a kid, uh, we used to go to this little corner market in, in our in our town called Butler's. 
I love this town. If I could go back in time again, I wish I could go back in this store. But Butler's had this, you know, sort of this old Coca-Cola cooler. You'd open up the lid and there'd be ice cold water in there. And there were literally bottles of soda, Orange Faga and, you know, Indian Red and Coca-Cola. And you reach in there and grab an ice cold bottle, pop the, the, the cap off on the side of the machine. And then they had Snyder's of Berlin potato chips. And they had this thing for a long time where you'd open up the bag and then sometimes there would be a free coupon for another bag. Nice. I I like sort of lived on that hill of free potato <laughs> chips. I, I did. And so mm-hmm. it has become – that's the staple. I mean I, I have to admit mm-hmm. it. As sorry as that sounds. Potato chips are the, one of the staples of sure. my diet. Okay. And I – that's how it is. So is that your way of saying yes to my question? <laughs> Do you eat potato chips every day? Not every day, but probably three or four times a week. And what kind are you eating? Are you loyal to only one kind? No. Oh, I, no. that's good. That's really good of you. <laughs> I like a chip and I want to, you know, give me a chip. I'm on Facebook. I belong to a Facebook group called Local Potato Chips. And people like, you know, find, you know, like. What are you, the, how many local potato chips can there be? You'd be surprised. Okay. It's pretty amazing people who are producing local chips. Are you only doing like plain old potato chips? No, or are you into no. flavors? Give me that. What you do don't you, care. What do you got? I don't like, um, like, you know, uh, garlic chips. I like vinegar and oil or vinegar and salt. I right. like that. Okay. Um, but the weird stuff, I don't like. Um, I like barbecue chips. Don't you like barbecue chips? Of course. Yeah. Um, I prefer a local, a, a suit, a, a, at least a regional brand as opposed to a national brand. Although I do like a Lay's, but I love a Wise, which you know, and you, you've right. fed it's it hard, one time. It's hard for me to even find Wise chips. No, no, they're still around. Um, but you know, locals better. But you're not going to go for like a cheddar and sour cream or. Oh anything. no, that's horrible. Oh. That's the worst. Oh, no. I th- that's the worst. I think that's very delicious. That's way overkill. It is overkill. Ugh, it's horrible. No, it's atrocious. No, no, that's no. terrible for you. And it'll rot your body. If you're going to do that, just have some dip. Right, for sure. Please. You like a Frito? No. How about a Cheetos? No. What? No. See, I, I, if I'm going to have a, a chip, chip I just, just like to ha- I'd like to have a chip. You know, another. I'll tell you my latest fascination. I'm having a very hard time with this. Um, I'll give them a free plug. Um, Tostitos is making a thin tortilla chip called the Cantina. Mm-hmm. That's it's nice. in a reddish bag, and they're like they're they're triangle shaped tortilla chips. Only they're like half as thin. Mm. They're super super thin. So they're not good if you're a dipper. They're not great because they're, they're going to break crumble, off. Sure. But if you're looking for just taste, that's it. People, that's you are going to thank me yeah. for that. The Cantina chips by Tostitos okay. are so. So you bring good. us a good point now because oh now there's been sort gosh. of these infusions of like. Pita chips and all these different. They're baked and not fried. That's a good thing. That's fine. But the cantina chips, the reason I like them is they they have like their corn, oil and salt. That's all there is to it. There's no preservatives. There's not a bunch of fake stuff. There's no MSG. There's none of that. When you start talking to me about like a healthy chip, you lose me. I could care less about a baked chip. Don't give me a baked chip. But if you're looking, but if you're looking at the the ingredients Uh, of a wise chip, I bet it's three ingredients. But if you're doing like a cheddar and sour cream, it's going to have 15 ingredients, most of which aren't real. Don't do that. So we really shouldn't do that. No, but just give me a chip, right? Really, to me, that's one of the nectars of life. All right, it's a it's a small. We need to take a break. Thing. But new Mike, do you eat chips every day? Not every day. Um, but you like a chip, Mike? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I love quinoa chips. Quinoa. Oh, what is that? You mean like quinoa chips? Yes. Yeah. What yeah. is that? It's quinoa. Quinoa. It's a grain. Yeah. 
with a hell of a good dip or hummus. Don't mm-hmm. swear on air, Mike. I'm sorry. Okay, Heck really. of a good okay, dip. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> sorry about okay, that. Okay, good. Appreciate it. Sorry if I offended anybody. You've offended me, my friend. I am offended. Okay, thank you. Okay, we'll uh, come back and... Uh, we're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, kind of coddle my offense. Okay. So I get really mad by the time we're back. 101.5 WORD. You can probably list quite a few things that Christians should stay away from. But what about the gray areas? For instance, is it okay for Christians to go to the movies? How about to a dance? Well, the book of 1 Corinthians may not address these issues directly, but it does give us one specific guideline for deciding what we should or should not be doing. I hope that you can join us this week on Through the Bible Radio as Dr. McGee discusses the motivation behind Christian conduct. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. You've got your Obamacare, you got your Trump care, you got your Affordable Care, you got your Cobra. There are all these choices when it comes to health care, but all seem to bring one word to mind expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today, and it's hard to keep track of all your options. But fortunately, I know someone that's been on the forefront of health insurance for years. It's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. And so they can help to determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you to choose the best plan for your needs. If you don't need coverage like maternity coverage, call Marley. Do you have a pre-existing condition you don't how to deal with. Call Marley. Do you want just accident insurance or just catastrophic coverage? You know the answer. Call Marley. And because they know how to design the plans, most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. So call Todd. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496, or look for them online, marleyfg.com. For so long, I'd had that little hidden sin. It was a secret. No one knew. So I'd convince myself it really wasn't hurting anyone, but but what if my wife or kids found out? Mm. Harmless? It would have ruined me. The problem was, who could I talk to? I needed someone I could confide in, but, but this was so personal. Who could I trust? He found someone to trust, and so can you. We're Faithful Counseling, the world's largest platform for faith-based professional counseling. All of our licensed and experienced counselors are qualified and certified by the state board, and many are trained in addiction counseling. But more importantly, we share your Christian values. Available 24-7 by text, messaging, phone, and video conferencing, all from the comfort of your own home. Try it for the first week free by going to FaithfulCounseling.com and use the invite code word TRUST. That's FaithfulCounseling.com and use the invite code word TRUST to get your first week free. Faithful Counseling, we're here when you need us. This is Michael David from Seattle. I'm 51 years old, and six months ago, I started taking Andro 400 to increase my testosterone. Since then, I've lost 35 pounds of fat. My waist went from size 38 to size 32. I have more energy, and I look and feel 20 years younger. And now my wife tells me I have to take Andro 400. Hi, this is Ron Johnson from Utah. After 10 weeks of taking Andro 400, I lost 13 pounds, and my waist went from 30. 36 to 33. That was eight years ago. I continued to take Andro 400 and I've maintained my weight at 172. Gained muscle and energy. I'm 63 now and feel better than I have in 30 years. Andro 400, the natural way to increase testosterone, lose belly fat, gain energy, and feel great. Try Andro 400, the safe, effective, affordable way to boost your testosterone. Go to andro400.com or call 888-400-0435. 888-400-0435. 
For over 35 years, First Baptist Christian School of Butler has quietly offered parents one of the most affordable, high-quality Christian educations around. A complete education from pre-K through 12th grade with free busing, smaller classes, an extremely high teacher-student ratio, competitive athletics, and SAT scores well above the national average. Think an affordable Christian education is beyond your reach? Think again. First Baptist Christian School of Butler at butlerfbcs.com. Finding a Christian school that meets your students' needs and your high standards is simple. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net and discover Greater Pittsburgh's best Christian schools, links to their websites, location information, and more. pittsburghchristianschools.net. Hey, welcome back. There is a war currently going on here in the United States and across the world, as a matter of fact. It is the essential complete eradication of Down syndrome babies. Uh, The technology has arrived here that you can early on detect whether you, the mother is carrying a child with Down syndrome. And when that happens, many couples are being counseled to have an, uh, an abortion. Now, uh, there's an article that we picked up uh, in the Washington Washington Post, Post. which is a fabulous article. Babies with Down syndrome are put on center stage in the U.S. abortion fight. Yeah, and the first story it tells is Carrie Ann Lisbony, she's a Republican state representative in Utah, just introduced a bill that would make it a crime for a doctor to perform an abortion if a woman is seeking one solely because the fetus has Down syndrome. Um, And it's highly controversial. Similar bills have already passed in North Dakota, Ohio, Indiana, and Louisiana. And so that is the thing that has put Down syndrome front and center in the abortion debate in our yes. country. So we bring on a guest, Dave Hare. Dave Hare is with us, him and his wife, Stacy. They are missionaries in Cameroon, Africa, working as linguists and Bible translators for the Bakum people. But we bring Dave on because his sister, Heather Joy Hare, was born in 1978 with Down syndrome. So Dave can speak of this as first person, knowing and loving a person with Down syndrome. Hey, Dave, welcome to the show. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, Dave, uh, tell us about Heather Joy. Yeah, uh, Joy was her middle name, and it was a very applicable name. She was just a delight to to everyone in her life, and it was a benefit to all of us children to have her as a sister growing up. In the article uh, I read about you, Dave, because you, you blog extensively online, you talk about uh, in 1978 when uh, Heather was born that your parents were surprised that they had a Down syndrome child because uh, obviously at the time the technology didn't exist that they could flag people who have uh, the missing chromosome. Can you speak about that, about you know your parents' reaction? Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. I think it's possible that the uh, amniocentesis that you can do to determine if the baby has Downs was available at the time, but I know that they, if it was available, they chose not to do it. And I think for them, it was it was a very, very big shock for them. Very first child they've had, and uh, they didn't know until the baby was born that, that she had Down syndrome. So from your experience as the little brother, um, how did it affect you? Yeah, um, you know, it, for me, growing up, it was just very normal. It was normal to have a sister who was handicapped. But as I look back on it now, I just realized that I was able to to learn that um, God has actually created us to defend those who are weak. And I had a very practical way of doing that in my life that most people don't have. Right. So uh, I'm sure that this article uh, in the Washington Post today, this is not news to you in some ways, Dave, uh, even though you're, you know, you and your wife are 
missionaries in Africa. I, I know you've had to stay on top of this. So w- what are your thoughts about this? I mean, the idea of, okay, all of a sudden a Down syndrome person is an endangered species. I think a lot of people kind of look at this and go, yeah, that, that's a good thing. There'll be a day in this world where there will be no Down syndrome people walking the earth. Yeah, no, it's the exact opposite. It is, it's absolutely tragic. Um, having grown up with Heather and just knowing that throughout her whole life, she was able to approach life with such great joy and not only be a blessing to our family, but to just everyone she met. Um, she had faith in Christ that was, you know, very much just like a child throughout her whole life, where she just, she did, she never doubted that, that Christ is, is exists and is there as our Savior. Um, there are just so many lessons that we can learn from people like her. And I think um, my brother probably said it the best at the funeral. He said that in reality, it's really the rest of us that are handicapped, mm-hmm. the rest of us who, who struggle with faith, who struggle with even decisions as to whether or not we should kill babies. You know, that's not something she would have struggled with because she would have just known it was wrong. And uh, I think rather than, than killing, rather than aborting these children, we should, we should be learning from them. Talk about the weep with those who weep. Yeah, Heather was just an amazing person who was able to empathize. And if you were telling her just a hardship in your life, she would begin weeping and actually weep with you before you started weeping. Um, She was just very, I can remember years after my grandfather died, her just, you know, I'd find her just crying and say, what's wrong? She just said that she missed grandpa. And uh, yeah, she was just such a, a blessing to people in that way, just able to, to empathize with them and to love them in ways that, that I've never been able to do. Right. You know, um, last week, I think, was the 50th anniversary of Mr. Rogers uh, appearing on public television for the first time. And for us here in Pittsburgh, David, it was a big deal because the Mr. Rogers TV show was produced here locally. And so I, so as it made the rounds on social media, I mean, I saw this on so many people's Facebook feeds, where there was Mr. Rogers in the early days of being Mr. Rogers, where he sat before a, a Senate committee that was going to end public um, funding for, the, for PBS. And so in, in this impassioned statement, there sat Mr. Rogers in front of these, you know, high-powered senators in Washington, D.C., and he made a case for public television and especially for, child, you know, children's programming. And so people are like, oh, this is fabulous, you know, because he was so beautifully well-spoken. He was direct and he was simple. But when I see that, I, you know, as this conversation, you know, we talk about your sister and about the eradication of children with Down syndrome, I, I imagine someone like Heather Joy or someone with Down syndrome sitting down before people, whether it's in a Senate hearing or whatnot, and, and talking about themselves, being seen as who they are, complete and whole as a, someone with Down syndrome. And I, I would imagine, at least I would hope to imagine, that most people who have never had any interaction at all with anyone with Down syndrome, if they would sit and talk with someone, interact, have a conversation, just enjoy themselves, then they would go, wait a second. This is folly, the idea that, you know, Down syndrome is this horrible something that has to be, you know, wiped off the planet. There is room for everyone in here, and especially for someone delightful, medical problems or not, someone with Down syndrome. Yeah? Yeah, I I think that um, uh, those who are are claiming that they would seek an abortion for someone who has Down syndrome because of the, the standard of living for that person has, it, it's it's either just ignorance or some type of a willful ignorance um, because of that. It's just it's the exact opposite. Um, like I said, 
um, those who have Down syndrome, most of the time are, if they're in an environment with people who love them and care for them, experience much deeper joy and much deeper faith, I think, than, than most of us ever can. Yeah. And if people were to, to know them, if people, everyone I know that knew Heather, I mean, she had hundreds of people at her funeral um, just because she had touched them and she had loved them and they loved her back. Um, I think more more interactions like that would would do the cause a great a great deal of benefit. Mm. There are two videos that I thought of that I had that I have seen in the last year. Uh, Frank Stevens, John, actually did what you're talking about. He's a man with Down syndrome, and he testified before a congressional committee back in October the end of October, and he said, quote, that his life is worth living. And he talked about condemning the final solution, which is proposed by abortion advocates Mm -hmm. who would kill babies with genetic conditions. Watching his video is absolutely worthwhile. Um, Then there's also a... um, there's also a video that I haven't been able to find. I'm going to post them both on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. But there's a similar video of a man who's speaking before Parliament in Britain in the last year. Same thing. Hmm. So that has to make it. How can that not make a difference yeah. when you're looking at the eyes of someone? Public the eyes, advocacy. Right, how, it, it takes it away. This is not a theoretical issue. This is the person. Right. So, Dave, what's that like for you? You know, uh, as you came on, we did a brief bio. You and your wife and your four children that you've adopted from Ethiopia, you're now living in Cameroon. When you see people, um, um, do you see people with Down syndrome in Cameroon? What about the handicapped in Cameroon in Africa? How, how do people in third world countries look at the handicapped? Yeah, um, well, uh, kind of on a separate note, as far as abortion goes, I've uh, discussed abortion with my my friends in Cameroon, and and most of them are shocked that abortion is legal in America. In Cameroon, abortion is illegal, and um, in Cameroon, one thing that is very characteristic of, of the people that I know is that culturally, it's seen as a great blessing to have children, and so having children, even in situations that uh, we might consider shameful, like out of wedlock and things like that, they might um, acknowledge the shame of getting pregnant out of wedlock, but they still see great um they see the great blessing of having a child and it's it's celebrated having children so that's a huge difference um regarding the handicapped i haven't seen very many with down syndrome a lot of times um there are um heather for instance had some major heart problems and a lot of that stuff can't get diagnosed and can't get treated in cameron so my guess is that uh, babies born with down syndrome probably die on their own fairly fairly quickly there um, but there's many that are handicapped, and uh, being handicapped in, in Africa is very difficult. Um, but uh, the people are still seen as part of their family. They're still cared for, and they, they're very much a part of the community. So they'll still either be carried or um, or walk if they can or have some sort of a way to get out to the field, and they'll still participate in life, even those who are who are who have major handicaps. Um, they're very much a part of life. Dave Hare is with us. You can look for Dave online. He's got a great blog called Hare, H-A-R-E, hairtranslation.blogspot.com, hairtranslation.blogspot.com. So, Dave, uh, you and your wife, your kids, you're back in the United States for a while. What's that like for you, that transition? Because, you know, I mean, we were just talking about chips, our favorite chips. I, I can imagine there's not a lot of available chips for you in Cameroon. When you come back, do you guys like gorge on, do you like go to McDonald's right away? Yeah, as soon as I got out of Africa, I automatically gained 10 pounds. Um, and most of that is due to cheese, because um, we don't get cheese in Africa. Yeah, so 
No, it's really interesting being back in America. It's uh, it's just a completely different life, and there's so little that reminds me of Africa when I'm here, and there's so little of, of Africa that reminds me of America when I'm there. Huh. So it just it feels like two completely different worlds. Uh, but it's been a great blessing. We live in a village where there are very, very few Christians. It's been a blessing to be back in America and be surrounded by brothers and sisters that encourage us and that we can sing worship with and learn from. It's been it's it's a it's a nice break and a great blessing before we have. I bet. So then, what is it when you you know when you think about you and your family uh, together in Cameroon? What is it you know? What can you tell us that it keeps you there? That drives you there in the first place? Yeah, at the end of the day, it's the glory of God. I believe that God is, is his, he made a plan to save people from every tribe, song, and nation, and that plan was so that all of these people could one day stand before his throne and worship him, and I believe that the means in which he gave us to do that is uh, to bring the gospel to them, and so we've moved into a village, we've spent years learning their language, right now we're analyzing their language, that's why we're back in the States, and then we're going to go back and begin Bible translation, and I see them, and they're, they're living lives separate from God, and that brings them great—they um, live without any peace, not peace with God, not peace with one another. Mm-hmm. And I just know that it doesn't have to be that way, that they can know God, and they can glorify God with their lives, and I know that that will bring them peace. And so I'm just excited to see that happen. We haven't seen much of it yet because we've been doing mostly language learning, but I I truly believe that God's Word has power, and I I can't wait to see what He's going to do among them. Outstanding. Well, Dave, thanks an awful lot. Thanks for your work in Cameroon uh, to be a a witness for Christians worldwide, and especially for being with us today to talk to us about your sister, uh, Heather Joy Hare. We really appreciate your time here and your, your wisdom and your expertise. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. Uh, Dave Hare, online, hairtranslation.blogspot.com, Hair Translation Journey. Take a quick break, come back, uh, stick around. we got a little chunk ahead here. We're going to talk with Amy Simpson about blessed are the unsatisfied. Connor Lamb has been called Nancy Pelosi's hand-picked candidate, and she'll do anything to get him elected. That's because Pelosi knows Connor Lamb will follow her liberal herd. Backed by Nancy Pelosi, Lamb will be a vote for her liberal agenda of higher taxes, more job-killing regulation, and a weaker military. Connor Lamb, he's with her, not us. Built American tough, Rick Saccone. As a U.S. Air Force officer, Rick Saccone defended our country against commandos and espionage from North Korea. As a senior counterintelligence agent in Iraq, Rick Saccone captured and interrogated terrorists. As congressman, Rick Saccone will fight for Pennsylvania jobs and oppose Nancy Pelosi. Rick Saccone protects our families, community, and country. Built American tough. Rick Saccone. Paid for by NRCC and not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. www.nrcc.org. NRCC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Hi, this is John Hall. You know what's so amazing about my pillow? How fast I fall asleep. I don't know about you, but when my head hits my pillow, I'm out in seconds. Seriously, if you were to put me under oath in a court of law, I can honestly testify that my pillow is the best pillow I've ever had. Period. 
And that great night's sleep can be yours anywhere you go because inventor Mike Lindell is continuing his terrific offer this month for Word FM listeners. His four-pack special includes two full-size My Pillows and two Go Anywhere pillows. Great to toss in the car or in your overnight bag. Plus, where else are you going to find a pillow that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty? 10 years! Just call 1-800-961-9207. Use the promo code WORD to get the four-pack special. Or enter promo code WORD at MyPillow.com to get the four-pack special today. That's 1-800-961-9207. Or visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WORD. Dentistry isn't what it used to be. It's really come a long way. Stock Family Dentistry's Dr. Megan Stock. The pain management techniques, the comfort that we can offer now really make it a much more pleasant experience. Experience. We have a great team. They really help to put a patient at ease. Dentistry, in my opinion, shouldn't be a fear-inducing experience. And it really, I think, goes a long way for patients when I'm able to develop that one-on-one relationship with them. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville is everything you need to protect your car or truck all winter long. Say goodbye to winter grime with an extreme detailing to help preserve the life and look of your vehicle. Got a new car? Protect your investment with TST Rust Remedy, the most effective rust control system you'll find anywhere. And spray-on bullet bed liners offer extreme protection tested in the most extreme conditions known to man. Call the Extreme Team now at 412-257-1006 or visit extremetruck.net. 412-257-1006, extremetruck.net. Mostly cloudy tonight with some snow later tonight into tomorrow morning, leaving behind the slippery coating to an inch or so. Low tonight, 33. The rest of tomorrow, cloudy with some rain and snow showers, high 42. Cloudy with a snow shower around tomorrow night, 24. Brisk and colder Thursday with a couple of snow showers, high 34 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. I was taking my uh, my dogs for a walk in the neighborhood. You know, that's a good thing because it gives you like a purpose. You know, I need to go out and exercise a little bit when you take a dog for a walk, mm-hmm. and then you engage with other people. You know, so yeah. I'm walking. I'm walking the dogs down the street, and this guy, you know, oh, we've got a dog, blah blah blah. And so uh, I said, oh yeah, this dog Ruby is 14, and this dog Gus is 12. And he was like, oh, well, Ruby, then she's the grand dom of the neighborhood. I said, I had no idea. So then he listed like, oh, you know, Tippy and, you know, Choo Choo and listed all the names you of the dogs. Tippy and Choo Choo. Yeah. Listed all the names of the dogs. He knew every dog in the neighborhood oh, and their age. That's sweet. How bar- do you do that? I don't know. I barely know, you know. Exactly. I don't know my, my age. own age. Exactly. When people say, how old are you? I never know how old I am. Wait, really? It's horrible. Okay. Well, let me tell you this. Okay. This guy would probably support this policy I read about, the North Bay Business Journal, which I know is not a website I'm on very often. That's a good one. You know how you go from one side to another. Oh, the old North Bay Business Journal. (laughs) The latest trend in employee benefits, John, provides paid time off to bond with a new pet or to mourn the death of a beloved pet. It's called, are you ready, paternity leave. Oh, heaven help us. Did you hear that paternity leave? Okay, this is why men stormed the beach at Normandy. Yeah, this is Okay, not- so we get paternity leave. Okay, so um, at Bergen University, uh, the university gives employees two days paid leave when a pet dies. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I, I don't want what? to minimize that at all because yeah. I know what, you know, uh, look, you, you, you do, 
you're heartbroken when your pet dies. Yes. Are you kidding me? But no, wait a second. So now we're giving time off to people? Yes. How about you take a sick day? How about my, day. my beloved my beloved cat, Abu, passed yeah. away on election day. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to say what election day it was. Okay. But let me just say, though, that not only did Abu pass away, and he was my beloved friend, and I love him forever, but um, the candidate I did not want to win won. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even going to tell you what's the national or local election. I'm not okay. telling you anything about it. All I'm right. just saying there was a lot of mourning going on. It was a horrible, horrible day, horrible day, horrible day. Anyway, that uh, two days off that this employee gives is one less than paid leave when a human member of the family dies. <laughs> That's, who's doing this? Wait, are, all are sorts they, of places are doing what? it. Bosses are offering paternity leave. Wait, corporations are. Well, this is, I mean, you know, all the crazy stuff is going to start with the university. I mean, who are we kidding? But yeah, so it's currently at universities. Um, Now, this current, this university, a Bergen University, does not yet provide paid leave for a new puppy. Oh, please. Now, the person, uh, Dr. Bonnie Bergen says, I'm kind of embarrassed we're not leading the charge here. There's no question about the importance of that relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you imagine getting two days off because you got a new puppy? No. Now, believe me, I'm sure getting a new puppy is a very stressful experience. Of course it is. But it's something that you invite into your life. Right. It's not something that essentially happens to you. Right. Right. You invited a Mm -hmm. puppy, and so I'm taking a couple days off. Oh, that puppy didn't work out. I'm going to go get another one. Give me two more days. I want to tell you about stressful. It was uh, September of 2016, and I had decided after mourning the death of my two beloved kitties that Mm. it was time to get some new cats. We'd been on our own for three years. With cats with an S? Cats. Because I had two cats before, and so I thought I'd get two cats this time. Oh, yeah. You know, my husband loves cats, and two daughters love cats, and so we were good to go. So I kind of mounted a search for cats. And uh-huh. I, I was looking at, like, the purebred route, you know, of these gorgeous cats that cost, like, $900 Don't for a cat. That. And I thought, Just no, this is dumb. Yeah. So anyway, I, after several weeks of looking, found the cutest little kittens on Craigslist mm. for $0. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. So I drove up to Slippery Rock uh, to check them out with my daughters. Mm. And I said to my daughters as we were driving up, you know, we, we prayed about these animals. And I said, you know, I, I do believe that God has animals for us. And but I, we need wisdom if, if these are the animals yeah. for our family. And the girls said, fine. And I said, you can't be disappointed if we leave without the animals. <laughs> okay. They were like, no, 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 mom, we're good. You're good to go. So we go up there, and I'm really concerned about my daughters in this, right? I really want them to be in a, you know, in a good place, and I know that there's some disappointment that could ensue, and it could be, it's going to be a teaching moment, it could be a hard Uh moment, you know, all those sorts of things. So we go up there, and we go to this place, and um, this is a, this is a person who, uh, just kind, that does not spay or neuter her pets, and so there are just pets. Everywhere, so it's a, like a country person. It's, a, it's yeah, right. Like a and, farm at or right. So I, so uh, she shows us these kittens, and they were so miniature. Okay, really? they were about they were five weeks old. They oh. were absolutely miniature, and they were living in this kind of cardboard box type of thing with this gigantic, enormous dog. What, and wait, I, the kittens with the dog, yeah. Now, the kittens were also with the mom. I'm telling you, there was a lot. It was like a menagerie going on there. This sounds like a Facebook post. I know. It was. So there were four kittens in this litter. And so we picked them all up and we love, you know, we love them. And of course, I, you know, I really like long haired cats better. And so we're going to, you know, there's two short haired cats and two long haired cats, blah, 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 blah. I took all four cats. You took all four? Oh, I remember this. I took all four. So you were like in cat rescue mode. I took all four. 
look, all I could, the, 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 these cats were so unbelievably small and this dog was so enormous. I thought they're going to get trampled. They're going to get something horrible is going to happen. I put all four, put two cats in one carrier, two cats in another. We pulled out with my daughter's. Where's the mother? Where's my the younger, mother cat? My younger. I mean, she looked like she was nine months old. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we're pulling out. My younger daughter goes, hey, mom. Uh, I thought you were concerned about us like being disappointed if we left without the cats. You're the one that just took four of them. <laughs> what was that phone call like uh, to your husband? Or was there a phone call? There was not a phone call. Oh, you just showed up with four cats. There sh- perhaps should have been a phone call. I think so. Because it, it, Appreciate that. I'll be honest with you, it didn't go smoothly when I walked <laughs> in. I can't imagine. Uh, I think this was the sentence that was uttered. Do not tell me. That there are four cats in that car. Oh, oh, oh. oh. but there okay, were there, there were, were four yes, cats. Sure, anyway, sure. now I found a lovely home that for two out. of the cats. It worked out fine. Now we have two. It's a year and a half later. Everybody's happy, and you know, felines are all you know, pause up. Okay, good. All right. So might not have get... been my best marital moment. No, but no. I did. But I, I did feel good about rescuing the cats. Because communication's key. All right. So I could I could use some paternity leave. Yeah, you sure could have. Two days. Get things off. established. I mean, you know. If, your pet dies, you feel bad. It's part of the family. It's horrible. But now we're like, you know, going to give away free time? Come on. Listen, if I, get a, if I get four more cats, I want some leave. 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. What will the Antichrist be like? He will be an appealing man in the eyes of the world. Now, when we call him a beast, don't think of him as being hideous in appearance. Remember that the devil himself appears as an angel of light. Learn about the nature of the beast and the end times when you hear Adrian Rogers this week on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Imagine not eating for days and not knowing when or if you'll ever eat again. That's the grim reality for poor families in Haiti. Odette doesn't know when she'll be able to feed her family again. She and her husband, Jerome, care for their two grandchildren after the death of their daughter. But because of their age and poor health, it's hard to find work. Odette knows that her grandchildren aren't getting enough to eat, but she has no way to find or buy food. Poor families like Odette's suffer with no hope. They have no idea how they will survive. But you can help. Today, you can provide food every day for the next year and a lifetime supply of clean, safe water through Food for the Poor. For just $50, you can ensure that Odette's grandchildren get the food and safe water they need to survive. Would you allow God to use you to save the lives of suffering children in Haiti and Guatemala? Make your life-saving gift now by calling 855-828-HOPE, 855-828-4673. 855-828-4673. You can also give by clicking the Give Life banner at wordfm.com. 855-828-4673. Hi, can I help you? Yes, I have a snoring problem. Uh, can you describe it for me, please? Well, it's about 5 foot 11 with curly hair and a mustache. Oh, I see. Mute is the latest in snoring technology from Australia that may be the solution to your 5 foot 11 snoring problem, letting you finally get a good night's sleep. Snoring is not normal and happens when we breathe through our mouth instead of our nose. Mute is a comfortable nasal dilator that sits inside the nose and supports the airway, allowing snorers to breathe more easily through their nose and keep their mouth closed during sleep. Trials show that 75% of couples 
are able to enjoy a good night's sleep together when their partner uses Mute. Mute is effective, easy to use and may just be your answer to a good night's sleep. Mute is available at Walgreens, GNC and your local drugstore. Find your nearest store at MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. Back in a regular monthly slot, Amy Simpson is with us. Amy's a, a leadership coach. Uh, she's also the author of Troubled Minds, Mental Illness and the Church's Mission, and Anxious, Choosing Faith in a World of Worry. Got a brand new work, and it's called Blessed are the Unsatisfied. Amy, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thanks. Thank you. Okay, so God cares about us. He has expressed his love for us in ways that we see and ways that we have not noticed and cannot imagine. Uh, but my question is, does he want us to be happy and satisfied? Yeah, great question. And for most Christians, I think, because largely because of human nature and because of the culture we live in, it seems like an obvious answer. You know, yes, of course God wants that for us. And and yet I I disagree. Um, when if we're talking about here and now, our life here on Earth, I don't think God um, put us here to be happy and satisfied in a world that we were not made for. You know, that doesn't reflect the the creation as He made it, and doesn't reflect the redemption that He will bring to the world ultimately. And certainly, we don't experience a full, you know, um, awareness of the presence of God here and now. And I think He wants us to miss that and wants us to long mm-hmm. for that. Amy, tell us again the story of you growing up, because I'm sure you spent a lot of time wishing that you had a different kind of family. Yeah, I did. And, you know, of course, when you're growing up, the family you have is, seems normal to you, you know, defines normal to you. And yet I did have these longings in my life because, you know, as, as anybody knows who's followed my work at all or, you know, listened to me talk even on this show, um, my mom has schizophrenia. And that had a profound impact on the way I grew up and on the way my family functioned. It continues to have a profound impact on all of us. Um, and, and in addition to that, you know, my, my dad was a pastor <clears throat> for 10 years while I was growing up, which I actually enjoyed. I liked, I liked being a pastor's kid and being in ministry. Um, but, you know, like most people who are solo pastors of rural churches, <laughs> my dad didn't make much money. And my mom couldn't, you know, didn't work or or couldn't hold down a job, and um, we we just didn't have a lot. And then when we moved to the city, when I was 13 years old, we we really didn't have enough. You know, my family was living in poverty. My dad was unemployed for a long time, and then when he was able to find work, he was never able to work as a pastor again, partly because of my my mom's illness became so much more severe. Um, but when he did find work, you know, these were low wage jobs, so. We, you know, so I lived in poverty. Um, I grew up with this profound shadow of mental illness, severe mental illness over my life. And I, and I was an, an artistic person who, you know, longed for beauty and longed for um, many of the things that I dreamed of in life. So it was a, a difficult way to grow up in, in many ways, um, although there was, there was much that was good about it. Um, but emotionally, I did feel like I was missing a lot. Yeah. And uh, materially, I did too. So that that promise was always hanging out there, right? You, I'm sure you told yourself, someday when I'm an adult, I'm going to do X. And then that time came, and look, I mean, you know, you're, you're an author, you're a person of accomplishment here. X has arrived. So that feeling, um, has it altered somehow? You know, or now that the goods are in place, so to speak, and of course, you know, there's highs and lows for everybody, but now that that has come upon you, uh, is everything right and good? Yeah, 
It's not. And I will acknowledge my life is better than it was. You know, I, I have enough to, to eat. I have, you know, enough. Um, I'm able to provide for my family. And those things are important. I don't want to dismiss the importance of those things. Um, and I do have, a, you know, much in my life that is fulfilling. And yet it's not enough. You know, it didn't remove that sense of, of unsatisfaction. And it didn't make my relationship with God you know, all that I want it to be in my life. Even though as I was growing up, I always had this sense that I was supposed to somehow, you know, bring myself to a place where where that would be enough for me, you know, where I, I really didn't long for anything else. And the relationship with God that I had was, it, it fulfilled all my longings and all my needs. And now I'm realizing, you know, I don't think that's actually what God wants to do for us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he wants us to look to him for our our needs and our satisfaction and our spiritual wholeness, and yet I don't think he offers us everything right now. He wants us to live in the longing for for more and for better. But, but you know, there's a lot of ministries that are built upon the promise. I mean, you know, you talk about this in a piece of Kenneth Copeland says that, you know, quote, God intends for you to be satisfied in every area of your life. Right? I mean, we're, we're told How that. How is that? That is... Re- can I just break in and say that is ridiculous? Who do you know? Every area who is satisfied with every area of their life. No one. But that's what's being taught. Yeah, it is being taught, and and there are places where you know it's easy to point to some of the the, the leaders out there who say this kind of thing constantly, and and even make promises about you know God wants us to have to be materially wealthy and you know wildly successful, and. And to say, well, that's, you know, that's false. And yet I, I hear this kind of message everywhere. You know, I hear it in my own church at times. I hear it, you know, on the radio. I read it in books. And it's it's not so um, grandiose as it, it sometimes sounds. It's more subtle. And yet we still are sort of constantly telling people, you know, if you have Jesus in your life, that's enough. And you And you should feel completely satisfied. And if you don't, the implication is there's something wrong with you, you know, spiritually, if nothing else. And yet when I hear people say these things or when I look at someone who's, who's, you know, has these words coming out of their mouth, I think, I don't think that's true of you. <laughs> How can you make that claim? Because you're right. Nobody is satisfied in every area of life. I mean, to me, that's just, that's just false teaching. That does no one any good. You buy into that promise, you're just headed for a lifetime of disappointment. Exactly. And I think we'd also have to look at what what does it mean that we're satisfied with life? I, I mean, what? Did you got two cars right, I mean, in the look, garage? And, well, you know, yeah, but okay, so then Jesus' life was the most unsatisfying life that could ever be lived. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have a place to lay his head. He was a man of sorrows. He was familiar with suffering. He had his friends desert him at the time that he needed the most. He was misunderstood by his family multiple times. He was misunderstood by the people who believed in God. He was he was called the spawn of Satan. He was talk about an unsatisfying life, except he is the savior of the world. So how can that be? How can we label that type of life unsatisfying? Yeah. Yeah, can you imagine how much Jesus longed to leave this world? Get me out of here. Yeah, I right. mean, it. so if he's our example, you know, he certainly isn't our example of living a completely satisfying life here right. on Earth. 
So, but so but there is something about a satisfied life, and I wonder if that's the kind of life that Christ lived, which is that whatever God asks of me, in that I will be satisfied, because that's what he did. I mean, when Jesus had to withdraw to pray, whether it was on to a mountain or it was early in the morning or whatever it is, he was communing with his heavenly father. So whatever. And so by the time he got to the garden in Gethsemane and he said, I don't want to do this. You know, if this, if there's any other way I can do this, but, but your will be done, not my will. I mean, that is the essence. That is the absolute essence of living a satisfied life in God's will, not mine. Yeah. And, you know, I would draw a distinction between satisfied and content. Mm. Um, because satisfied, you know, we can choose we can choose to be satisfied in a sense, but I think what we're really choosing most of the time is more like contentment. Um, because satisfaction, when you think about it, is is really more of an objective state. You know, do I have? Am I satisfied? Do I have everything I need? Well, if not, I can still choose to be content with what I have, and to be at peace with, you know, the the fact that I don't have more. Yes. Um, at least for now. So, yes, there is a level at which we can choose that, and Jesus certainly chose that. And yet, objectively speaking, you know, was was he satisfied? Um, no, I don't think he would have been, you know, sweating blood if he were, uh, you know, satisfied with his circumstances. And yet he, he chose to be content with o- obedience um, and with, you know, the knowledge of what his death would accomplish. Yes. And so, Amy, you write, someday our thirst will be fully quenched. Someday we will never thirst, but that day is not here yet. Someday, but not today. Yeah, exactly. And when we recognize that, you know, and accept that, then we can can begin to recognize that there are actually blessings that come with that, that kind of acceptance. There are ways that that lack of satisfaction in our lives can actually be good for us and be good for our relationship with God. Um, but when we're distracted by, you know, believing that it's possible, it's right around the corner, you know, I'm almost there, yeah. we, we miss that. You know, we focus on per- the pursuit of satisfaction and miss the blessings that come with just mm-hmm. accepting, you know, I'm not satisfied right here and right yeah. now. Looking for the big payoff. Amy, thanks an awful lot. We always appreciate your time here with us, your wisdom and your insight to talk to us, to teach us. So thanks as always. Thank you. Pleasure is ours. Amy Simpson, her brand new work is called Blessed Are the Unsatisfied, Finding Spiritual Freedom in an Imperfect World. Amy Simpson. We'll take a quick break and uh, recap things that we did not know, things that are new to us from today's show. Stick around. Individual results may vary. Sophia went through a lot of tutoring and got minimal results. For her ADHD, she was almost off the charts. None of the typical therapies met her needs. We felt like we were constantly playing catch-up. There was great guilt, like I had done something wrong. I hadn't taught my child what she needed to learn. She wasn't functioning in society. I knew I knew this was going to be the solution. Brain balance is the answer for your kid because it didn't just mask the problems, it actually addressed the issue. That little girl that wants to do well, that wants to please, that wants to make the right choices, is actually able to make the right choices and to please now. This is not my kid anymore. This is this totally different kid. I don't doubt for a moment that I made the right decision in taking Sophia to Brain Balance. It has completely 
completely changed our lives. Why just mask your child's learning and behavioral issues when you can get to the root of the problem? Call Brain Balance today and make a real difference in the life of your child. Call 724-390-9012. That's 724-390-9012. For just five quarters a day, you can sponsor a child through Compassion International. It's pocket change to you. It's life changing for a child in need. Be part of the change. Become a sponsor now at Compassion.com slash radio. That's Compassion.com slash radio. Okay, so we came across a quote. Oh, that's a good quote. Okay, here's the quote. Eugene O'Neill, man is born broken. He lives by mending. The grace of God is glue. Now, when I said that to you just during the break, you were like, oh, I just read that too. I just, I don't, where did, where did I see that? Maybe on Facebook. <laughs> I haven't been on Facebook. Yeah, maybe well, it was on Twitter. Maybe so. Yeah. Okay, because you've been on Twitter apparently. Yeah. Okay. So wait, tell me one thing you didn't, uh, you did not know before the show started that you now know. Um, I did not know that any place, any place offered paternity leave. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Um, which is leave if you have a new pet or have lost a pet, I lost a pet mostly, right? Mm-hmm. You're in mourning mm-hmm. and I get that, right? We, we've had friends here at the, at the studio, lost their pets and they're walking around just brutalized. Well, of course. Of course. It's, it's part thing. of your family. Okay. I did not know. I didn't know that Paul Sorvino was still alive. Oh, yeah. He's 78 years old. You yeah. thought he was dead. I did. So. But he's not. And I did not know about all the different varieties of Oreos. Right. And some of them we can do without. Like, do we need cherry cola Oreos? I think we do. No, I don't we think need we as do. many varieties as possible. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. This is Michael Med. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.